All right. Uh, let's get back together. I think we have some people that are going to run mics for us. I really want to hear what you think, what stands out to you, maybe even some questions. So who would like to go first? Don't leave your favorite Belizean. Don't do this to me when I just got back, guys. Somebody need to raise their hand, though. Yes, thank you. I see that hand over here, right here, right here. You got a mic. Hello. Hey. I already shared my 40th birthday. Praise God for me. Awesome. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. My first time. My first time here. I miss y'all. Welcome back. I love 43 and 44. It says, woe to you Pharisees, because you are the most important, important seats in the synagogues. Respect greases in the mark, greetings in the marketplaces. I love that part too. Mm -hmm. Woe to you, you are on mark graves and walking over knowing it. That, yeah. that stands out very good. That stands out? Yeah, that stood out to me too. Because I remember reading this and thinking, I don't want to be an unmarked grave. I don't want people walking around not knowing who I am, what, what God has been doing in my life. And I think that's what he's trying to show here a little bit. Who else? Robin got my back. We were talking about how in verse 42, um, where he's talking about, you know, doing the one thing but neglecting justice and how you really should do both. Like mm -hmm. you need to, you know, you need to pursue justice and pursue the love of God and like worship him and both of the things. And like that's, that's just a really good verse to like just kind of have in your pocket, you know, because people like to have these like false dichotomies like, well, which should we do? Should we care about the poor or should we worship God? And it's like both, obviously. Like, yeah. I just, I just like that a lot. That's Yeah. Yeah, when that line, when I read this too, that line, um, you have practiced the latter without, without leaving the former undone. And I just remember thinking like, he's saying both things. What we do and what's going on here, he wants both of them to be at play. And at times, you can do one. You can choose to do one, right? That's good. Anyone else? Um, the thing that really stuck out for me in this was 41 when it says, but now as for what is inside you, uh, I lost it. Mm -hmm. Be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Um, and I feel like Jesus' whole outlook towards the poor is so like central to everything that he does. Yeah. But it's almost like the majority of like the Christianity I see, it's more of like a secondary thing. Mm. And it's like, even, even like looking into my own life, like how do, how do I make that like Jesus? Yeah, that's good. I mean, Jesus is the worst guest ever, like. <laughs> And just say it's like that person that comes to your house and they start messing with the thermostat like it's too cold in here or it's too hot or you know what's in this bathroom let me look in this cupboard real quick he's going into the closets and you know and he's just like the I'm assuming the Pharisee is just like okay great let's get started let's wash our hands and he's like oh okay you're not gonna wash your hands and then Jesus just goes off 
And I'm a one on the Enneagram, I'm a one, so we struggle with judging people. I, so I love this passage, because I'm like, yes, Jesus, yes, get him, get him. I'm like feeling it. I'm like, oh, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa to you. I, this whole week, I was in my mind, like when people would do stuff, I'll be like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's definitely a whoa. Um, so, yeah, let me, let me jump in, because I, I think that the Lord is saying a lot to us today and has done a lot in me today. I mean, this week, just even preparing. And um, I don't know. So you guys know I'm judgy. You know I like cupcakes. And you know I can get easily distracted sometimes. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I was really sick. I think I had the flu. The doctor sent in a prescription um, to the local Walgreens, not too far from my house. And so I'm not feeling good, so I send my husband to go pick it up. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, sorry, we're out of stock. And he's like, how are you going to be out of stock of antibiotics? Like, it's antibiotics. And they're like, oh, no, 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 my bad. We, uh, there's a problem with your insurance. And he's just like, and my, my husband used to be a pharmacy tech. So he's talking the techie pharmacy tech language. And she's like, oh, no, 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 it's not your insurance. Uh, your doctor wrote the script incorrectly. And so he's just like, I don't understand. He's looking at the script. What you mean he wrote the, it's right here. And she's like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, we're out of stock. And so he calls me and he's like, I need you to come with me when we go to the next Walgreens because I'm not going in again. So I get out the bed, come downstairs, and I don't know how you are when you're sick, but I'm a little cranky, just a little not nice. I'm just, this is going to be a lot of confession today, so that's why I just shared. We're friends now, we're family, right? And so I, I know that. I know that about myself, so I'm trying to get, like, get myself together, and he's telling me the story in the car, and it's just like bubbling, and I'm like, what? They don't know what they're doing? We're talking about antibiotics. Like, it's just antibiotics. We're talking about antibiotics. Anyways, we get to Walgreens. So I walk in with my head straight, because it's like, I don't want to give any fake smile to the person at the counter that's thinking, welcome to Walgreens. I'm not, won't you, I don't want you to talk to me. Not right now. So I'm like walking to the back, and then there's like a, a literally, I did this. Oh my gosh, I can't, I'm telling this story, but. There's a clerk that's walking in front of me, and he was like slow, and I'm like trying to walk fast, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. So I stop and look at the popcorn that is like right here, so he can continue walking, so then I can continue to like just bolt to the back. So I get to the back, guys, and there's nobody in line. There's one guy at the counter and nobody in line, so I'm like, Jesus, you love me, you see me, you know I'm not feeling good, you know it's not the day, praise the Lord, all things are possible. And so I'm just waiting. Then I realized there's nobody at the counter with the guy, and he's looking at some papers, and I'm like, where's the tech? You know, and it's just been a couple of seconds, so I'm like, oh, she must have went back to go get his script, you know what I mean? And then like a minute passes, and then another minute passes, and all that nasty, judgmentally, oh my goodness, what is happening in the world just starts bubbling over. And I'm like, where's this girl at? Where's this guy at? I don't, and then there's somebody like swoops around and you know you have that pharmacy, acts of pharmacist, the question. And so she comes up and the pharmacist comes out and I'm like, praise the Lord, somebody's here. Maybe she needs to, she's gonna come check me out. And the lady's asking her, okay, so multivitamins. Okay, over 50, and this one doesn't say anything about 50. I'm trying to figure out which one to get for my grandfather, and I'm just like, over 50. Like, 
why you have to ask the pharmacist this question? And I'm like, I can answer the question. And I didn't go to school. And I'm like, over 50. And so the pharmacist is talking, talking. So they're done. And I'm like looking at her with longing eyes, like, please call me. Please help me. And she just looks at me and turns back around and goes behind her pile of scripts and, and, and stuff. And I look back over, and the guy's still there reading his paper, super calm. And then the tech comes out. And I'm like, okay, good, somebody's here. And then she starts going over some other papers, and I'm like, Keisha, just fix your face. Just fix your face. You want them to give you a medication? Just fix your face. It's gonna be easy, just fix your face so you can get your medication. So they wrap it up, she walks up, and I try to fix my face, guys. It didn't really work that well, but I tried. And she's like, welcome to Walgreens. And I'm like, hey. And she's like, okay, I'm like, I'm here to pick up a prescription. And she's like, okay, what's your name? I'm like, Keisha Polonio, N-I-O. And she's like, your birthday, I'm like, September 12th, 1980. And she's like, what? And I'm like, September 12th, 1980. And she got really quiet. It got really awkward for a second. She's like, that's my birthday too. And I'm like, oh man, now I'm gonna have to talk to her. <laughs> okay, Lord, all right, I see what you're doing here. Okay, so I started talking to her and then the more I started talking to her, the more I'm realizing God was doing something in this moment. And so at this point I'm trying to pray, like, Lord, what do you wanna say? Like, okay, yeah, oh yeah, I am a prophet, right? Yeah, oh yeah, you've called me to like encourage and, and do this and, and I'm not in my like missional outreach, it's not home church, I'm not at outreach created, but I can do this, yes, yes, and I'm praying, I'm listening, and then finally I asked her a question, like, what are you gonna do for your birthday? And she said, nothing, I'm not doing nothing, and that was the moment. I felt the Lord was like, go for it, and I was like, don't waste your birthday. And she just looked at me, I was like, God has done so much for you. I was like, spend this time remembering what the Lord has done for you in this past year. And she just looked at me and she's like, the Lord, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. She's like super somber. She's like open. Like Jesus is doing something. She's super open. And I just continue to encourage her and push her and, and saying things to her. And it was this really amazing moment that happened. And I remember um, grabbing my script and telling her happy birthday and walking away and thinking, man, I need to come back and give her a birthday card and just to, to remind her that she's seen and loved and God knows her and knows her name. And as I walked, continued to walk out, I just felt like Jesus wanted to remind me, like, he doesn't want me to just fix my face, but he also wants me to fix my heart. He needed me to, but I was too busy trying to not look annoyed. I was too busy to try to get my medication that I didn't hear him calling out to love and encourage Jasmine. Our actions and, wor and the words of our mouth must sing in harmony with the beating of our hearts. This is how Jesus is calling us to love the world around us, and he continues to do that. He continues to call you and me, and we do this in our microchurches, and he wants us to love the pharmacy techs at Walgreens and to give to the strangers who are asking for help, for encouragement, and to look at our neighbors and tell them you're not forgotten, that you're loved. He wants us to do that, and we, we at the underground, we get that. We get that. We know that we're supposed to do. We're missionaries. We're sent ones. We leave this room each week and go back to the dark places that God has called us to. 
We go and we lead Bible studies and we take risks in our classrooms and our workplace. We go on street corners looking for men and women who live in the shadows. We care for those with special needs. We mentor a generation who the world has forgotten. We get that and I'm some of your coaches. I know that you are generous. I know that many of you are bivocational and are growing families and communities at the same time. I know that you're engaging this community in social issues, and I know that there's a lot more things that you're doing that none of us know, that only Jesus knows. We, you, all of us, have been responding to the call to go and make disciples of all nations, and that is right, and that is good. Your cup is clean on the outside. Just like Jesus said to the Pharisees on this, in our passage this week. But what about the inside of your cup? What about your heart? Have there been times that you've been so preoccupied with your outer deeds that you don't hear Jesus calling out your inner corruption? Are you so busy doing that you don't hear him calling out to you even right now? Those parts that are wicked and evil. And maybe when you read this passage, you think, I'm not like the Pharisees. I'm not wicked. I'm not evil. But do you struggle with envy and greed? Or do you feel justified to lie just a little bit? The inward part, you know that, that gossips but says it's a prayer request. The part where you allow fear and anxiety to dominate your days and take over your dreams. The parts that are quick to judge everyone around you and pronounce judgment, that's me, all in the same breath. What about all of that? What about the grief and the pain, the hate, the selfishness? We are so quick to serve, but do we respond with the same sense of urgency when our heart's a mess? And I, I believe that there are times where we forsake our inner life and we push through just to do more. But Jesus isn't calling us to do more. He is calling us to do better. He is calling us to go deeper so that the works of our hands and the pounding of our hearts are unified. He's calling us to both things at the same time, all the time. Both things at the same time, all the time. And maybe today he wants to remind us, like the Pharisees in, in Luke 11, to always practice the latter without leaving the former undone. And guys, I, I know this is a choice. This is a daily choice to live in unity of hand and heart. We have to choose every day not to live a fragmented life or put our importance in one thing versus the other. God is calling us to be consistent, to consistently lay down our hearts and our lives and the work of our hands and the mission at his feet daily. When we do this, we can serve the poor, we can serve the lost, we can serve the people that we are called to serve with cups that are clean and holy, both on the inside and the out. 
And I, I know this to be true, and I know you know it to be true, too. This is not something new. We know that what's on the inside matters. Even non-Christians know that. That's why they're like, oh, judgy of you, because they know, like, you're supposed to, it's supposed to be a whole package I'm supposed to be getting with this Christian thing. We know this. We know that it's not all about prayer. We know it's not all about hiding away in a secret place. We know it's all, not all about just doing and works. But even though we know these things to be true, there are times where we choose to live a fragmented life. One where our inner parts are hopefully hidden by the squeaky cleanliness of our outer actions, or vice versa. That's why Jesus calls out the Pharisees when they're walking around the place acting like they got it all together. Because he knew that their public facade was masking their private wickedness. And there are times that we do the same, right? I know I do. There are times where I have chosen to clean only the outside of my, of my cup. And maybe I'm the only one on a brave face and act like I got it all together when my inner part is falling apart. Can you think of a time when you've done that? I remember when I started to see the images of Charlottesville come on the news and on my Twitter feed. I remember the anxiety that started to build up in my neck. I remember having no more words to, to talk to Ryan with, or, and I just felt sick, like I wanted to throw up. And the last thing I remember of that night was weeping, and not crying, not a little tear, like lamenting and bawling until I fell asleep. And the next day seemed worse than the other, and I still couldn't breathe, but life kept on going. I still had to be a mom, I still had to be a wife, I still had to be a friend, I still had to be a leader, I still had to be the coaching director. So I told myself that morning, you know what? Breathe and keep it moving. Deal with this other stuff later. And I came to the hub, and I tried to do the work of my hands, to coach and serve people in the network, or at least I tried to. I tried to lead a meeting, and people started talking about the, the situation around me, and I just thought to myself, just breathe, just get through it. I went back to my desk, and people were asking me questions, and I was just like, just breathe, just get through it. I started to check my Facebook and Twitter feed, and the pain of the inner life was starting to be overshadowed by my judgment of people. I started to think when I read people's posts, I know your life, or I think I do. And I know that your activism and your bravery, it stops right here, it stops online. I continue to scroll, after I took a couple of breaths and just thought, I can't spend time with Jesus right now. I felt it bubbling, but I'm just like, I got to keep it moving and I got to keep working. And I guess I got to keep going through Facebook real quick and see what else is happening. Continue to read posts and critique everything that I saw. You don't care about justice. You don't care about love. You just care about likes. You just tweets. I try to stay strong for my family, 
for my two black boys. I didn't want them to feel the devastation that I felt as they left to go to school. I tried to stay strong for Ryan as he was dealing with another wound of racism that seems to never heal. I was doing, but my heart wasn't engaged. My soul wasn't engaged. And although I was doing, I knew that the Lord was calling me, but I didn't respond. And in that moment, I didn't feel alive as I did the work of my hands, the thing that I know that I'm called to. And then a microchurch leader reached out to me and my husband about our microchurch um, kindred and was just asking, what are you guys going to do? How are you guys going to engage this issue at your home church? And I'm like, that's the question. You see already what's happening here. Neck. That's the question that you're going to ask? What about your heart? What about you? What about this? All of it was just, I'm like, he wants strategies. You want techniques? You want a manual? You want a to-do list? That's what you want? And I was ready. I was ready, because I was already ready when I read all those things on Facebook. I was ready. But I'm a good Christian, so I thought real quick, let me pray. <laughs> let me pray, because the Lord said a couple weeks ago, fix your heart, fix your, fix your face, fix something. So I thought, let me pray real quick. Let me just pray real quick. And I prayed. And Jesus does what he always does. He comes. And he took a seat at my table. And like the Pharisees, I was a little surprised that he didn't let me go off on old boy. Because I was ready. I was prepared. It was eloquent too, guys. Another time. <laughs> he did it. He didn't release me. Instead, he woed me. He woed me for not coming to him first. He woed me for the evil that judging had brought into my heart. He woed me and called me back to himself where love began to heal my tattered heart like healing balm and where his voice echoed in my soul once again to surrender all of who I am to the poor, to the vulnerable, to the lost. In that moment, everything was exposed. Like he said it would be in Luke 12 where it reads, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nothing nothing, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. Amen, because that's true for me. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed from the roofs. This is what happens when Jesus sits at our tables. Because we invite him like that Pharisee does. And we have our plans of what we think it's going to look like and what we want to do and our, our cultural structures and our please wash your hands. And Jesus is like, I'm going to reclaim my time real quick and I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> Jesus comes at our tables and he takes his rightful position as Lord and host. Because he's the one that prepares a table for us to commune at. And as we do that, as we commune with him, he shows us our hearts and he calls us to him. He corrects us and attempts, when we, when we try to do too much or too little, he calls us to repentance and forgives us of our sinful ways. He calls out to us to ensure that our inner life is clean and that our outer life remains committed to loving and just actions. 
And in this tension, this is the place I think we're supposed to live, right here, where we choose to daily unify the works of our hands and our heart. Because in that place is where we are alive. And that's what the world needs. That's what the world is looking for. That's what they're asking for as they are searching and walking around in a land of unmarked graves. They need Jesus. And we do too. Can I ask the worship team to come up? I feel and sense the Lord calling us again to his table. Because I think he has some things for us to look at. And maybe it's not as harsh of a woe, but is it distracting us? Can we hear him? Can we sense him? Are we doing too much? Are we doing not enough? Do we need to repent? Do we need to redirect our eyes back on the one who we are doing everything for in the first place? As we come to do communion again, I want us to remember Jesus. I want us to remember that he is the rightful host of our tables and of this table, and that he is the Lord of our lives. I want us to stop just long enough to hear him, to hear Jesus calling out to us again. I want us to pray that once again we will respond to him when we hear him calling out with all that we are, with everything that we do and everything that's inside for the sake of the broken world around us. I want us to come to this table to remember Jesus. So just take a moment. just ask, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What haven't I heard recently? What have I been too distracted by that it's trumped your love, your words, your life to me? When we invite him, he comes. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he broke the bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we invite you. God, and we hear you reminding us. We hear you, Lord, reminding us. Underground family here are the elements, the body and blood of Jesus given for you. 